Okay. How many people have a Bible? We're going to try to use that Bible today. Some of you bring it, they never open it. I don't really understand that. But, uh, uh, if you've got it, might as well use it. Thanks for helping me sing. I always like that because uh, I just seem to sit down and listen to y'all. How many people know where the book of Matthew is? Good. Find Matthew. It's in the New Testament. It's the first book in the New Testament. If you find Matthew, we're going to be able to find where our lesson is today. If it's the first book in the New Testament, find that. Okay, you got that one? First book in the New Testament. Last night while you are hunting there, last night we talked about letting things go. And if you let things go, today I'll talk to you about what some people let go to God whether it's the best or the least or whatever. So I hope I can give you some food for thought here, uh, some spiritual food for thought. Here's what I've got an idea to, to show you. You've got Matthew? Good. Now turn back one book. Oh, you're fooling us. Turn back about three or four pages. What is the name of the book that you just turned back to? Malachi. Malachi is an Italian name. No, it's Malachi. I was just kidding. That's what I used. It's not Malachi. It's Malachi. Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. So that's what we're going to look at today. You say, well, I've looked at Matthew a lot before. I've never noticed Malachi. Um, today I want to talk to you about Lord of the Leftovers. You know, last night I told you about what do you give God? Some people just need to let things go and say, Lord, you know, I struggle with this habit. I do things I shouldn't do, or I say things, I look at things that I just, I struggle with this. And God loves it when you tell Him that. Why? Because you're being honest with Him. So you say, Lord, help me in this area. I let it go. I've tried to do better myself, but I just can't. It's so like you doing that math homework. Everybody loves math, right? No, you don't. Well, some of you do. My sister loves it. She's great at math. I'm not really good at it, but I mean, it's okay. I had to take it. But if I sit there and I try something, and after a while, I finally have to admit I just can't do this, and I just have to go get help. And sometimes we'll do that physically or spiritually. Rather, we'll do something, and we finally, oh, Lord, you just got to help me, so we let it go. And that's good. We let it go. Now, if we let it go, sometimes we'll give him good things and bad things. I want to talk to you about, look at this meal right here. Carrots, peas. Your mother said you all eat a lot of these. So it's carrots and peas. That's, uh, can you all tell what that is? It looks like chicken to me, but I, you know, if I gave you that meal and we said Jesus is coming for a, a, a guest at our house and we would like to give him something, I would think that at least looks good. My wife would probably say, I think it looks sort of small, but anyway, she says we need all these better portions. But I can, if I can see the plate, it's not enough for me. But anyway, right there is chicken, and I guess the lemon is supposed to, uh, here, I'm just going to sit right there. Uh, the chicken and the lemon and celery, broccoli, whatever, looks great. And Jesus comes as a guest to your house, and here's what you give him. Okay, there you go. That looks like a Tommy Toe. I call those Tommy Toes. You ever, yeah. Y'all call them anything else? Some people call them cherry tomatoes. Okay, that's the technical name for them. I guess I call them Tommy Toes. Lord of the Leftovers. So do we give him uh, this, or do we give him that right there? It seems like we, I should give him the first one right. I'm going to test you on you say, we're not tithers. We're not old enough to tithe. Really? Show me that verse in the Bible. We're not old enough to give. I don't give God money until I have a paycheck. If you get an allowance, if you give anything, if you just say, here's your dollar, God, and give him something, most often we would do this. 
if mom come in and said, I want to fix a, a meal, and as soon as all of us eat, we'll give you what's left over, and that would be about what's left over, at least it's on a clean plate. And you come in and say, well, where's all the food? Oh, we ate it, and we just thought, we're going to give you whatever we have left over. Now, I know some of you would never do this, but you'd have a friend that you wouldn't mind drinking after. Some of them I wouldn't even want to walk after. But anyway, if they've got a can of pop and they go, y'all call it pop, right, in Tennessee? No. Well, y'all call it soda? No. Well, it's, well, if I'm drinking a Dr. Pepper, it's not a Coke. But anyway, uh, so if I'm drinking this and Cody would say, can I have a drink? And I'll, I'll save you one. How much do I probably save for him? None. None. Yeah, or else, here's time. Yeah, there's the spittoon that I hand him because I've been, you know, backwashed for the last 20 minutes. No, I wouldn't want to give you that. Not if you're my friend and you wouldn't want to take things. That's what we do to God. God, I'll save you drinks. Oh, y'all ever do this? It's a cake in the refrigerator and you say, I'm just going to even it up a little bit. I'll just, well, I'll eat pretty soon it's gone. Or else your mom buys 10 Reese cups and she comes in and says this. I think, well, the wrapper's empty. Did you eat one of these? Well, uh, yes, sort of. I ate all ten of them. <laughs> you know, once you start, you just seem like you keep going. What'd you leave her? Leftover. So you other words, we get the best and we give him what's left. So often that means it's nothing. Wow. So as soon as you get up, I'll challenge you tomorrow. As soon as you get up before breakfast, try the Bible. Bible before breakfast. And see, most of you the other way, I'm about to starve. Or some of you, as soon as you get up, you know, i got to go to the bathroom, you know, something like that. What if I said Bible before bathroom? Well, if you said before your feet, well, at least do this. I challenge you. I'm being serious. If I'm laying in the bed, alarm goes off, or I just wake up before my feet hit the floor, and I say, Jesus, may you be with me today. Feet go on the floor. It's almost like it's something mysterious on the floor, then I can't put my feet down until I pray. Now, some of you might say, oh, I almost forgot what it's like. Lord, thank you for this food. Sometimes we forget. But just think a piece of first thing all the time. Let me give you a challenge. Look at Malachi. Malachi. Malachi is a, a book that uh, challenges us about this. God says this to people. Look at Malachi chapter... Yeah, let's go to verse 6. Oh, chapter 1. Malachi chapter 1. Well, I can start reading in verse 2. I'm going to read you a verse that I used to have trouble with. I didn't really understand. See, here's some of the Bible I don't understand either. We'll start reading it to first one. First, chapter 1, verse 1, Malachi. An oracle. That's what like a newspaper article. Or here's a, you know, coming out. The word of the Lord to Israel through Malachi. He was a prophet. Verse 2. I have loved you, says the Lord, but you ask, oh, how have you loved us? Now see, God is saying to the people, I love you, I have loved you. And some of these people say, how you? but they ask, well, how have you loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, the Lord says? You have loved Jacob, but Esau hated, and I have turned the mountains into a wasteland and left his inheritance to the desert jackals. In other words, I have specifically blessed you because I love you. Edom may say, although we have been crushed, we rebuild the ruins, but this is what the Lord Almighty says. They may build, but I will demolish. They will be called a wicked land, a people always under the wrath of the Lord. You will see it with your own eyes and say, Great is the Lord, even beyond the borders of Israel. Let me interpret the first few verses for us. God comes out and says, I love you guys. And you know what these people say? <laughs> when? When did you love us? See, that's sort of like you. Well, I'm stepping on your toes this morning. If, uh, if your mom didn't allow you to do something or your dad didn't allow you to do something, 
let's just take it off a wall. If you like to, if girls, if you like a certain boy and your mom says, I just don't want you seeing him. Mom, why are you doing this? You're ruining my life. <laughs> and she would say, no, that happened years ago, honey, but going into your room, no. But she would say this strange phrase to you that you wouldn't understand. She says, one day you will understand, but I'm doing this because I love you. Yeah, right. You don't love me. <laughs> Door goes slammed, hinges come on the ground. Well, right here, welcome. I'm talking to you then because you're out of the book of Malachi. Because God showed up and says, Israel, I love you. Yeah, right. When you love us. He says, remember Abraham's two sons, Ishmael and Isaac? You're sort of out of the Isaac line. Yeah, but how come? Wait a minute. Remember Ishmael? I turned his inheritance into a wasteland. I just sort of set them because they didn't honor me. But I've honored you. I love you. Yeah, right. You don't love us. Telling God he doesn't love us? Well, I don't understand certain phrases in the Bible because it's sort of like, it's like when they were in the boat and Jesus was asleep. Remember that story? storm comes up. The disciples try to fight the waters for a while, and then they finally shake Jesus and say, Jesus, can you get up? There's a storm out. Don't you? What they ask him? Don't you? Don't you care? Close to that, yeah. Don't you care, Lord? Or don't you love us? You're asking Jesus, does he? Don't you love us? Well, here it is. Malachi, when, do you, when did you take care of us? Well, now you get the story. Now, he says, I love you, but I'm sort of tough on you. Yeah, you're tough on us. And he says, I'm going to tell you the reason why I'm tough. So here's a great story today. Please listen. Hang on. Don't fall asleep now. Blemish sacrifices. They finally say, okay, Lord, you love us. We can't see that because you seem like you're pretty tough on us. But he says, I love you. Well, how come you don't do every little thing here? How come you don't just do this? All right, good question. I'll tell you. Now we're reading verse 6. A son honors his father and his servant his master. If I am a father, where is the honor due me? If I'm a master, where is the respect due me, says the Lord? The Lord Almighty. It is you, O priest, who despise my name. Now these people, this would be sort of like your mom or dad putting you in your place, and I deserve that sometimes. Mom, how come you don't do this? Let me ask you something. Have you really, not that you trade a blessing for a blessing, but just to make a point, yeah, she says, okay. Mom, did you go get this? What if I, if I have a son 18 years old and he wanted to go to the prom and I walk in the door and he says, did you get my tuxedo? Did you shine the car up and did you have all that? Did you do what I asked you to do this morning? Well, no. Now you get this story. If I gave you exactly what you deserve, do you clean your room all the time? You ever late? Tell the truth. Yeah. Please be honest. Are you ever late? Yeah. You come up and say, Mom, I'll be here at 6 o'clock. At 15 after 7, you walk in the door. Where have you been? Well, I was at so-and-so's house. Now you're at school, and Mom says she'll pick you up at 3 o'clock. It's 3.01. Where are you? Oh, okay. You can be like 20 minutes, but she better be on time. And she pulls in. Sorry, honey, it's 3.03. Where have you been? Kai, I had to wait on you. Well, you know, a man got hit by a car down here. I had to give him artificial respiration and save his life. Well, try to be on time. Okay, I was saving a life. Don't worry about it, though. See, she can be late three minutes, and she's in the doghouse with you. You can be late an hour and a half. And What were you doing? I was over at so-and-so's house playing computer. Okay, that's really important. And that's what these guys are doing. God, we love you. Okay, you asked for it. 
God says, all these people, priests, sits them down just like you, and he's having a big meeting just like his chapel. God says, I'm going to talk to you. The priest probably think, we wish we hadn't asked him to do this, but he's going to. He says, if I was your father, would you not do good things for me? If I was your master, would you not do good things? Well, I'm not your father or your master. I'm Almighty God. Well, well I meant for you rip our heads off now, God. We do give you sacrifices. I'm glad you brought that up. I'm going to tell you about the sacrifice you give me. He says, you've despised my name. It is you, O priest, who despise my name. But you ask, how have we despised your name? Hey, we hold you high. We pray before we eat every once in a while, or at least twice a year. You place defiled food on my altar. But you ask, well, how have we defiled you? By saying that the Lord's table is contemptible. When you bring blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice crippled or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would it be pleased? Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? Now implore God to be gracious to us with such offerings from your hands. Will, be, will he accept you? Now, before you get to the next verse, again, let me just help you see what the priests were doing. First of all, God says, here's what I'm finding the problem. Those sacri- Don't we give you sacrifices? Somebody raise your hand and tell me what kind of sacrifices they were giving. Raise your hand first, please. Okay. Say again. What kind of sacrifices were they getting? Yep. What would happen to those crippled or diseased animals eventually? So what are these people giving God? Exactly. Leftovers. So he picks up. And here's what... I- Got two people in trouble right here. It's bad enough that the man says, I gotta pick out a lamb to pay for my family's sins. Let him right there, he looks like you know, good, he's about to cripple and gonna die. Don't die on me now. Picks him up. Oh man, I'm gonna brings him into the priest. You got one problem right here. He's giving the priest a diseased lamb. What's the next problem? The priest does what? He accepts it. Two people wrong right there. Can you what? I don't know. Uh, I mean, sometimes animals pick up diseases. That I wasn't worried about picking up asthma or, or herpes virus from my cat when I was giving him mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. He's got really two things wrong with him. But when life was in the balance, I was trying to just take them on. But I don't guess he could. So he takes the, the lamb and says, here you go, take this. The priest says, Okay. Now, here's what's the scary thing about this. Did the priest know something was wrong? Yeah, yeah. yeah, see, that's what God's... So he's got a bunch of... Pretend like y'all are priests, and God says, I love you. They answer back, y'all ask me the question, what they say? <laughs> Do you what? Do you really love us? Sure, I love you. <laughs> How have you loved us? Okay, first of all, let's cover this. How have you loved me? Well, we give you sacrifices... Oh, you mean that lamb had almost died before you put him on the altar? He was so sick? Well, yeah. What did you call that lamb before you put it on there? You got mad at the man that brought it, and you called it contemptible. You shouldn't even bring these diseased animals in here. You know it's wrong. And yet you turn around and offer it to me. And then God bless us, we gave you a lamb. Yeah, the one that's almost dying. Now think of something that you'd probably throw out at your house. 
I heard this little simple illustration, and I thought it sort of stuck in my mind. The man was building houses. Everything was great and dandy. But the guy that was paying him, he thought he was mean. Hey, he's got so much money. He's built, I'm building houses for him. He never pays me what I think I deserve for building these houses. Oh, he's nice to everybody else, but he's not really nice to me, and I'll keep building these houses. i tell you what, on this next house he tells me to build, I'm going to cut all the cost. The guy comes across, and he says, i tell you what, I've got a big piece of land right out here, and I want you to build a house, and I want you to build it the best you ever had. It's going to be sort of like a mansion. Put everything in there that you just think would fit and be great. The guy says, okay. And he starts building a house. He thinks, I'm going to cut corners. This guy all the time makes everybody else happy with something. Never mind, I'm going to pay him back. So he sort of uses lumber that's not that good, uses materials that you'd probably throw away, you know, hides behind it, finally gets all the house built, and he thinks that house is not really worth what it looks like. Gets through, and he tells the guy that told him to build it, he says, I've got your house built. I'm going to make a fool out of him. He won't realize that I've cut corners on every place I could. And so the rich man says, I'm glad you got it built. Is this, what do you think of it? This house, it just looks so good, right? Sure does. I wanted, to, I wanted you to build it for somebody special. He takes the keys of the house out and hands them to him. He says, this house is yours. I wanted you to build a house for yourself because I, I don't say thank you enough to you. And I wanted you to build a house so the house is yours. How's the man feel? Yeah. Well, I wish I'd have. Wish I'd have done a lot better than I did. How about this priest? I want you to give a sacrifice that's that's the best. Well, if it's for you, God, I will. They were given diseased animals. Well, check out these next few phrases. Hold on. This is a sad part of this whole chapter. God tells the priest to do something that you would probably never want to do. Anybody ever been to a church that you think is exciting? I hope your church is. Good. You sure? Okay. Don't raise your hand on the next one. I just want you to get... Do you ever think there are some churches maybe in the land that are sort of dead? And they just sort of go through the motions? They're not a church. They're a social club. Everybody just meets and goes home. If they come up and said, the pastor's not going to speak today, but instead we're just going to show a movie, I think it's over the hedge. We're just going to watch a movie and call it church and go on home. Oh, boy! That ought to sent you out the door. I worked at a Christian school for 10 years, and I asked a couple students one day, I said, if they quit teaching the Bible at this school, what would you do? And I was hoping I'd hear the answer, what? Go home, leave. Here's what they said. I don't mind. So you don't even really care if we teach you Bible or not? Well, you know I get Bible to death all the time anyway. Okay. Wow. That should have sent you back. Well, if you're at a church that just says, "Mm, no big deal, that's this church in Malachi. And God tells him to do this. He said, I want you to see if you would do something for me. I hope I'm not boring some of y'all to death. I feel like you're getting distracted with things around you. I'll zero in on this verse. By saying what the Lord's table is, it's contemptible. But scoot all the way down to verse 30. He tells them to do something. Oh, verse 10. I'm sorry, I said verse 30. Verse 10. Oh, that one of you would shut the temple doors so that you would not light useless fires on my altar. 
Tell me what he just now told him to do. Close the church. Wow. That's pretty drastic, isn't it? And I'll accept my offerings. So close the temple doors, says the Lord Almighty, and I'll accept my offerings, for I'm not pleased with you, says the Lord Almighty, and I'll... And I will accept no offering from your hands. My name will be great among the nations from the rising to the setting of the sun. In every place, incense, pure offerings will be brought to my name because my name will be great among the nations. But you profane it by saying of the Lord's table. It is defiled and of its food is contemptible. And you say, right here, please look real good at verse 13 because I've got some of you... Some of you, I know, it's, it's in the morning. Y'all seem antsy to, to me today, but uh, I'm going to give you a verse that I hope if you, if you miss the whole rest of the Bible lesson, this is you right now. Because you say, wow, you're talking about us. Yeah, the Bible does that sometimes. These next three words ought to hit us right between us. Here's what you say. This convicts me, so I hope it just drives home a point. What a burden. If God's a burden for you, I'm going to give you a news flash today. Then don't bother talking to him anymore. You're not doing him any favors talking to him. God, I don't even really want to be here. God would say something that might scare some of you. He'd say, well, we're just little or we're younger. It doesn't make any difference. He always does this. Revelation 3.20, he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. I don't kick a door down. I don't barge in. I want you to invite me in. So if I'm really a burden to you, don't bother. Wow, God wouldn't say that. Yeah, he does. He says in 1 Corinthians, he says, those people who tithe and give me things, he says, if it's not from the heart, what does he say to do? Keep it. Yeah, don't give it to him. I don't want it. So if your grandmother said, can I borrow a dollar? Man, Grandma, not a dollar. Here, take his $5. No, you earned that more than a yard. No, please take it. Uh, well, I don't want to use it all. What you don't use, bring back, but you take that. Man. What's Grandma? I don't care who it is. That's a witness. Or how about this? Can I borrow a dollar? Not me. Grandma, it's mine. Oh, it's the same Grandma that gave you ten a week ago. Well, here, Grandma, here's your quarter. That's it. Throw it at her. That's how these people are. Here, God, here's your... I'm sorry, lamb died for I gave it, but anyway, it's yours. Now, would you bless us? And God says, no, I won't. You don't love us, you. I don't love you. You are a priest. You are supposed to set an example for everybody else. Let me just change that, make it simple. Right? You are people at Tapawingo Camp. You're going to go home and be a witness. You? He said, boy, that sort of gets on us. I'm just telling you, he's not Lord of the leftovers. So you mean I should really, yeah, I should give him my best. Well, Malachi ends with, he says, when... What a burden. You say, what a burden. And you sniff at contemptuous, says the Lord Almighty. When you bring injured, crippled, or diseased animals and offer them as sacrifices, should I accept them? Cursed is the cheat who has an acceptable male in his flock and vows to give it, but then sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord Almighty, and my name is to be feared among the nations. That's the end of the chapter. There's two people in the New Testament, Ananias and Sapphira. They said, we're going to sell land. Give you the money, Lord. They sold the land. But they didn't give the money. They kept back part of it. Anybody know what happened to Ananias and Sapphira? They dropped over right there. So don't say, I'm going to really do something great for God, and then you just sort of, God, I'm going to really 
you just fill in the blank. Well, I can pick one example. There's thousands. Lord, when I get back home, I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to really study. I'm going to do something more for you. And we get up, and we spend about five minutes with him, and then we spend two hours talking to a friend on the phone. Wow. Five minutes with God, two hours with my friend. What's God? God just says, man, aren't I your friend? Well, I give you five minutes. 168 hours a week, you're going to give me five minutes. Oh, thank you so much. Won't you keep your five minutes? Well, God, I, you don't love me? <laughs> Well, you hurt his feelings. God doesn't have feelings. Mm, yeah, he does. Okay. I know I'm... Last thing. First Samuel chapter 15. It's in the Old Testament. First Samuel chapter 15 and I'm finished. I want to pick... Jesus says, I am a... God right there says, I'm a king. Here's First Samuel chapter 15. I want to tell you something about a king and then we're finished. So are we robbing God... And Malachi asks, how have we robbed you? He says, by not giving me what I deserve. Chapter 15. Okay, there's a king named Saul. He goes into battle. God says, I want you to destroy all these. And you say, boy, it sounds like a mean God. He says, destroy all these people. Why? But they're enemies of me. Don't be... Well, I feel bad we shouldn't kill everything and all this because if they're the enemy of God, that'd be like saying, don't get mad at the devil. No, I, I want to have a... I want to stay away from the devil. If God says to abhor evil, cling to what is good, get away from it, flee those things to the devil. That's what. So God says these are an enemy, wipe them out. King Saul came in and he uh, wiped out a lot, except, you guessed it, some sacrifices like lambs we were just talking about. Chapter 15. Samuel said to Saul, I am the one the Lord sent to anoint you king over his people Israel. So listen now to the message from the Lord. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I will punish the Amicalites for what they did to Israel when they waylaid them as they came up from Egypt. Now go and attack Amicalites. Totally destroy everything. Everything. Hmm. That belongs to them. Do not spare them. Put them to death. Men, women, children, infants, cattle and sheep, camels and dogs. They are an enemy of God. You've got to destroy everything. So Saul summoned the men, mustered them at Tillam. 200,000 foot soldiers, 10,000 men from Judah. And Saul went to the city of Amcla, Amalek and set an ambush for the, in the ravine. Then he said to the Kenites, Go away. I like these Kenites. It's a, it's a neat little... He said then to the Kenites, We're getting ready for a battle here. He says, Get away. Leave the Amalekites so that I don't destroy you along with them. For you showed kindness to me, so I won't let you all live. Look at this next little line. So the Kenites moved away. Wise people right there. These would be like, we get in and snugger into the place, get down, and here comes the enemy coming by. He says, by the way, all you guys behind us, get out of here. It's going to be a rough battle going on. Thanks for warning us. And they take off. So now they're waiting on the Amicalites. Amicalites come by. Saul's army jumps on them. Does he destroy them like he's told to do? It says Saul attacked the Amicalites all the way from Havilah to Sur to the east of Egypt. He took Agag, king of the Amicalites, alive. What was he supposed to do? Yeah, kill him. He took him alive, and all his people he totally destroyed with the sword. But Saul and the army spared Agag and the best of the sheep and the cattle. Why did he keep the best? You say, well, you told us it's not good to give bad things to God. God doesn't want these things. But, but they're the best sheep and the cattle. God does not want them because they're from the enemy. Well, you told us not to sacrifice old sickly lamb. I don't want the best lamb if it's, if it's from the enemy. So Saul keeps it. By the way, Saul wasn't keeping that to give to God. You know who he's keeping it for? Himself. Yeah, he's keeping it for himself. So he saves the best. He doesn't give his best to God. 
he just sort of saves it for himself. So he kept the best of the sheep and the cattle, the fat cast, the lambs, everything that was good he kept for himself. These are unwilling, unwilling to destroy completely, but everything that was despised and weak, they totally destroyed. Does that sound familiar? Everything totally, they just wiped it out. If it's weak, if it's sickly, oh, we're going to kill that lamb. If you just hang on five minutes, he'll take the job for you. He's about to fall over dead. So he totally destroyed everything? No. Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel. I'm grieved that I made Saul go down there and correct him. So Saul was troubled. He cried out to the Lord all that night. He prayed all night long. In the morning, verse 12, in the morning Samuel got up and went to meet Saul. He says, oh, Saul's not here anymore. I've got some very important news to tell him. He went down to Carmel. He's got a good reason to go to Carmel. What? Anybody want to glance at the Bible? Saul went down to Carmel. There he went to set up a monument for himself. He's making a statue of himself. He's a pretty good guy. Set up a monument in his own honor. He's turned and gone down to Gilgal. When Samuel finally reached him, Saul said, The Lord bless you. I've carried out the Lord's command. What a liar. Samuel said then, You've killed everything? Yeah. <laughs> That's coming from behind him. Samuel says, well, What's the bleeding of the sheep in my ears? What's this blowing of the cattle that I hear? What's all those animals behind you over there if you've killed everything? Oh, oh those. always like that when people come clean once they're caught. Saul answered, oh, well, the soldiers. I like that. The soldiers. Soldiers won't do anything without the king's order. The soldiers. What do we do sometimes when we're caught? Yeah, we should. Uh, he told me to do it. The, the soldiers brought them down from the Amicalites. They spared the best of the sheep and the cattle. But, but we kept them for this reason. We wanted to sacrifice them to the Lord God. We totally destroyed everything else, but these fat little lambs, we're going to give them to God. Samuel said, stop it. Why did he say stop? The same reason teachers and parents will sometimes, I've been done it, stop, stop talking. Because the more you talk, why? You just keep lying. Stop, stop talking. And King Saul's like, tell me, Saul. Stop, Samuel said to Saul. Let me tell you what the Lord said. And Saul said, well, tell me. Samuel said, although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of Israel? You're the king, and God's asked you to do one thing, and you can't do it. So, why didn't you do what God told you? Look down at verse 20. But I did obey the Lord, Saul said. I went to the mission, went on the mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amicalites and brought Agag, your king, back here. Well, then you didn't destroy him if you brought one back. The soldiers took sheep and cattle from the plunder, the best of what was devoted to God, in order to sacrifice them to the Lord, your God at Gilgal. Samuel replied, Don't you understand? Here's the verse I'll close with. Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as He does in obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. That's what He's telling me. I would rather you obey me and do what I ask you to do than give me the best sacrifice in the world. He says, Saul, it's going to cost you. You're no longer king. But, but, I, but I did what you said. No, you didn't. Saul said to Samuel, Okay, then I've sinned. Again, we always, it's good to confess, especially after you're caught. Saul said to Samuel, Okay, then I've sinned. He knew he had sinned all along. I violated the Lord's command, your instructions. I was afraid of the people, so I gave in to them. It's called peer pressure. Now I beg you then, forgive me in my sin. Please forgive Let me worship the Lord. Let me just go back to being the way I used to. And he says, you can. God doesn't want you to be the leader anymore. It cost him something. Here's a simple lesson for today. 
I think the priests in Malachi were robbing God, and yet they just got in the habit. Yeah, another sick lamb. I bet you every once in a while, maybe one of those priests said, you know, I wonder how long it's been since we really offered God a good lamb. Oh, don't worry about it. Let's just keep offering him these sick ones. And tell the people who are bringing them, you know y'all shouldn't do this. They'd be like saying, y'all know y'all shouldn't smoke. But uh, y'all go ahead. Keep on going. You're doing as bad as the people. And you're a priest. And here's the king. He tried to buy God off. Look, I brought you a lamb. God says, nah, I want your best. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Jesus, today it's a simple thought to me that Malachi tells me that the priest didn't give God their best. King Saul didn't give you his best. He tried to save things for himself. And then, Lord, I want to give you this. Lord, in both those stories, you're simply Lord of the leftovers. Old sickly, diseased, despised lambs that people would probably just throw out. They give to you. King Saul, things he should have gotten rid of, he gave to you. And Lord, right there is where we are. Last night I asked everybody in here to consider what they could let go of, and yet we hang on to it. Lord, I'm reminded in the Bible that when Moses told the people in the wilderness to just obey, just trust the Lord, and you parted a big body of water, the Red Sea, and let them escape. They didn't know about you. They didn't really trust you that well. And you just kept doing things in front of them. And finally, some of them never made it to the promised land because they never did really trust you. Lord, there might be someone here today that just doesn't trust you fully. Sure, they're at a Bible camp. They even go to church back home with Jesus. They just keep giving you excuses like King Saul did you. I pray today, Jesus, we just simply ask ourselves, are we giving something from the heart? Are we giving our best to you? Lord, I wouldn't want to rob you of all people. You know me anyway. So I pray that we dedicate ourselves right now to giving more time to you. Try to read more. Try to pray more. Try to witness more. Try to do everything and not give you what's left over, but give you what's first. In Jesus' name, amen.